It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Space Coast vacation is preparing for liftoff. Start counting down now. 10, 9, 8, 7, it's time for a beach vacay that feels like heaven. 6, 5, 4, come explore Melbourne and the beaches. 3, 2, 1, it's time for some rocket-filled fun. Count down to your best beach vacation ever on Florida's Space Coast. Launch your planning now at visitspacecoast.com. The Reds started the second half with a bang, taking two of three from the Cardinals. But it came with a huge price tag as the Red Legs lose Tyler Stevenson for possibly the rest of 2022. And it's officially hug watch season. That's hashtag hug watch 2022 as we are only eight days away from the major league baseball trade deadline. We'll talk about all that and more right now on today's locked on reds. Let's go. You are locked on reds, your daily Cincinnati reds podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong Reds fans who have turned an addiction into information for you every single day here on the Locked On Reds podcast. This is our fourth year individually. We've got like eight years of experience here basically talking about these red legs, and we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day thanks for making us your first listen we're free and available on all platforms on today's episode the reds started off the second half of the season the best way they know how by beating the st louis cardinals we're going to break down that series we're going to look at how bad the tyler stevenson injury looks and what the reds should do about it when he's healthy but first steve we have got to start off by thanking our sponsor blue nile you have got to check out blue nile today's episode is brought to you by blue nile make your moment sparkle with jewelry from blue nile.com and going on now is the blue nile anniversary sale save up to 40 percent on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25 percent on engagement ring settings shop stress-free and find your forever peace go to blue nile today and i have a question for you steve is it hug watch or is it hug warning well, living in Hawaii, I know a thing or two about hurricane watches and hurricane warnings. So conditions are not right over the next 24 hours for there to be a hug. But uh, conditions are right for there to be the development of a hug. Therefore, uh, we do need to be watching for it. So I believe we're in hashtag hug watch 2022 for the next few days anyway. I agree with you. I don't think that it's impending, but there are certainly some details that are worth pointing out. The New York Yankees reportedly pulled two of their top prospects from a game yesterday. Now, it's important to know the context of this game. They were trailing 12 to 8 in the seventh inning. And one of them was a triple shy of the cycle. So this is not the sort of situation that I sit here and say they were doing this for rest. Of course, the two guys we are talking about are outfielder Jason Dominguez, and I believe it's Jason, Jason Dominguez and shortstop Trey Sweeney. Now let's go over both of those, Steve, because I look at this and I say it's very interesting. 
Because this is the sort of thing that I don't just think, oh, hey, it just happens. And then people happen to report on it. And there happen to be a lot of people get excited about it, namely some folks close to the Yankees. You know, it's very interesting in that they were both pulled. They were both pulled together. Uh, they still had a chance in that game to come back. I mean, they'd already scored eight runs. Who's to say they wouldn't score four more? You know, I see the other side of that argument, Jeff, where you're saying, well, you know, it already had been a three-plus-hour game. They were in the seventh inning. It was, you know, 98 degrees or wherever the heck it was outside. The guys are hot. They're tired. And you might have just been looking to, to get some fresh bodies in there. Okay. I can see that side of the argument, but for it to, to coincide with hug watch season and two guys that are definitely having their names thrown around as any, in any potential deal that could include somebody like, Oh, I don't know, Luis Castillo. So you have to think about uh, those elements as well. So I think they definitely have created conditions in New York today where that we all need to be paying attention, whether or not it goes somewhere. Eh, I don't know, but definitely has drawn interest <laughs> from everybody that follows baseball and that is following the trade deadline. I have a feeling that this is directly linked to the Reds. There's a couple of reasons why. The first one that I begin with is that the Yankees are not only just trying to find the right deal with the Reds for Luis Castillo, they are trying to outbid their division rivals. They are going up against Blue Jays. They are going up against the Boston Red Sox. This is not a situation where they are the only bidder. In fact, they're going up against possible World Series uh, contenders against them and the Dodgers and the Mets. And you've got other teams like the twins who are interested. There's so many teams who are in on Luis Castillo that if the Yankees are going to add him, they've got to be the best offer. And I think it begins with these two guys. I definitely don't think that they are the only two people that are involved in this deal for the red legs because this isn't enough, but they definitely provide some upside, especially Jason Dominguez. Well, let's start with him a little bit, Jeff. You know, he's a 19-year-old outfielder. Uh, he's projected to come up to the big leagues around that magic number of 2024. He's a switch hitter. He throws righty. Currently, uh, MLB Pipeline has him ranked as the number 39 prospect in baseball. That makes him the number three prospect in the Yankees organization. That is impressive, too, because if you look at the MLB Pipeline ratings, that's higher than L.A. De La Cruz. And we are excited about L.A. De La Cruz. This, this would put him in the same vein. You give those two, you, two hype trains at the top of the Reds farm system for the next year and a half or so. I'd sign me up for that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, he can probably play all three outfield positions. Uh, you know, you may look at him towards a center fielder. He could shift to a, a corner outfield, depending on how he continues to develop. Again, 19 years old. Uh, he is not done uh, filling out, as they say. Uh, he could get a whole lot bigger, a whole lot bulkier, and may end up being a guy you want in the corner outfield, just, you know, given the fact that he's going to be able to drive the ball and he's going to be a little bit slower with that bulk that comes along. Uh, the other guy in this deal, Jeff, is Trey Sweeney. And, uh, you know, another guy that could be projected in that window of 2024 he intrigues me a little bit steve now he's not rated in the top 100 like jess and Dominguez or like some other names that people have thrown around like anthony volpe or oswaldo peraza or something like that but he is the number six prospect in the yankees organization now he was a first round pick last year i think that that 
kind of weighs in on this. He's not been around long enough for scouts to really get a good feeling about him. He could be a fringe 100 prospect. That'd be interesting to see, but he's 22 years old. He is also projected for a 2024 call up. So again, first wave type guy, guy that you're actually betting on for a Reds, you know, hopefully future playoff team in 2024. And he hits lefty throws righty. So I, I'm interested to see, not necessarily about the righty or the lefty, but the fact that, you know, 2024 being a target year for this guy, uh, sign me up. Again, you're looking at guys who are going to have immediate impacts and not necessarily the type of impact we looked at in the draft where you've got Cam Collier and guys like that who are projected like 25, 26 range. And, and you know, Trace Sweeney is interesting, Jeff, just because we don't know a whole lot about him. We, we kind of have a, a good idea, at least at the beginning stages here of his career and what the scouts are saying about him. You know, they identify that he has great hand-eye coordination, uh, but they talk about his swing and the, the mechanics that he's incorporated into that swing are a little bit unorthodox. He doesn't do things like other hitters do. And, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think, though, that it does create a, a situation of unknown. And so as you allude to, maybe, uh, you know, these guys can be included, but this is not going to be enough for a deal to be done. Those two guys aren't going to get it done. So I ask this of you. If you've got to include somebody else in this deal, if you need more, who, who are you targeting if you were in Nick Crawl's office right now with your feet up on the desk? Without a doubt, this falls in line with what they have been saying. Reports are that the Reds front office is looking for pitching in any one of these trades, not necessarily as the headliner, but part of the deal. They got to look at Ken Waldachuk. Ken Waldachuk is a lefty, and plus I would love to say that name as a Reds player, but <laughs> he is a lefty pitcher who is a top, he's literally in the same range as Brandon Williamson. He's right there. He's, I think he's like number 72 on the top 100 list for MLB Pipeline. He's actually number five on the Yankees top 10 list. So right ahead of Trey Sweeney. And he's the kind of guy that you put him in this deal. If you're talking about Waldachuk with Sweeney and with Jason Dominguez, I think a lot of people are looking at that as a pretty nice haul for Luis Castillo. Well, now let me ask you this. If a better offer comes along, I really do think there's going to be a bidding war for Luis Castillo. The Dodgers went in. We've talked about the Yankees being in. We've speculated that maybe the Red Sox might jump into the fray just to keep the Yankees from getting him. So taking that into account, let's say Luis Castillo goes someplace else, and now you're left with Tyler Malley. Is that Sweeney Dominguez return enough to net you Tyler Malley in a deal? I would think so. Um, I, I think it might be a little bit high, but I also think that if I'm the Reds, once Luis Castillo is off the board, Tyler Malley is going to be the next dude that there's going to be a bidding war for. We haven't heard a ton of rumors from him, but when you look at this, when you look at the list of guys who are available, there's not a lot of top flight starting pitching and Tyler Malley would fit that mold. And all you got to do if you're Nick crawl is just like, look at the splits road Malley is going to be the road mal or is going to be the Tyler Malley that you get. Yeah. How about Jess and Dominguez? Bring him on over. Well, and, 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 you know, the simple fact of the matter, Jeff, is that, uh, there were 15 scouts at Sunday's game looking at Tyler Malley. So, you know, it could very well be that the Luis Castillo trade sets the market price to go out and get a good arm. And then you're right. A secondary bidding war could develop. And the reason why we haven't heard a lot of rumors is everybody is playing wait and see 
after the Luis Castillo trade because Tyler Malley will be one of the next line of great arms available for a team that's looking to make a push for the postseason. I think one thing's for sure, Jeff, uh, we, you know, we talked about this earlier in the segment. We're not quite on a hug warning yet, but we are definitely on a hug watch. And listen, a great debate is raging right now, Jeff, about what the Reds should do long-term with Tyler Stevenson once he returns from yet another stint on the injured list. Uh, you and I are going to discuss that coming up. But I'll tell you what's not up for debate, Jeff, and that's where to get a great deal on some great jewelry online. And that, of course, is at BlueNile.com. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. You can build the engagement ring of her dreams. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as the setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring winds up being a one-of-a-kind one-of-a-kind jewelry piece that will definitely wow her. Uh, and if you're looking for fine jewelry to celebrate a special moment but having trouble choosing, Blue Nile can help with that also. They have jewelry experts available 24-7 via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked on Reds listeners can get $50 off a $500 or more purchase. This podcast exclusive includes engagement rings. So at checkout, you just use that promo code Locked On, and that's going to save you $50 on a $500 or more purchase. Every order is insured, it ships for free, and it arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away the surprise about what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. Make sure you are following the podcast on all of your favorite podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. If you're watching us there now, thank you very much. Click subscribe down below. If you're listening to us on the audio feeds, make sure you jump over after this. Click that subscribe button. Lots of exclusive bonus content coming in the coming days with some interviews with some minor leaguers as well as some other exciting things along the second half of this 2022 baseball season. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to talk about whether or not uh, this trade deadline is Nick Crawl's last chance, his last test to see if he can keep his job or not. Jeff and I will explain that one tomorrow. But today, Jeff, we have to deal with this wild back and forth that is occurring. I got caught up in it yesterday and, and, and logged off Twitter ready to fight somebody because the Reds are going to have to make a decision about what to do with Tyler Stevenson long term. What's in the most the most beneficial way to handle him for him, for the team, for his long-term health, and for his productivity. They got to make decisions that take all of that into account. And uh, these ongoing, and listen, they're freak injuries, but they're injuries yeah. nonetheless. These ongoing injuries, I think, are going to force the Reds to begin to plan sooner than later. Yeah, it's something that we've been talking about. We really hammered this the last time he got hurt and now he has an even crazier injury he broke his clavicle as a foul ball got hit right off of it. i mean I, I just i can't fathom the pain that he must have went through with that that had to have hurt and he's going to be out for a very long time i would be surprised if we see him again this year and with that i think that they've got to seriously consider a plan 
to move him to first base. And not necessarily like, you know, he's going 100% of the time. Joey Votto is a DH 100% of the time. I think you can kind of create a rotation. But when you look at Tyler Stevenson, the reason he is getting hurt is where he is at. This is not a situation where it's Tyler or where it's Nixon Zell and he's stepping on a, a, a hump in the outfield and all of a sudden, bam, he's, his leg's gone and he's, he's out for six months. Like, that's not what we're talking about here. Plus, the eliteness of Tyler Stevenson when he's healthy, you want to protect this guy and not, and, and keeping him behind the plate is not going to protect him. No, I said this the last time we talked about this, Jeff. He is a, a highly valued, very productive major league hitter, not a highly valued, very productive catcher. Uh, his numbers this season are rank right up there with everybody else in major league baseball, not just catchers. Now, I know when you look at the metrics, he's about the middle of the pack amongst first basemen at around 15. Uh, he's in the top five as far as catchers go. I get it. But right now, Jeff, me, you, and him are all providing the same value to the Cincinnati Reds. As a matter of fact, he is, we're providing more value because we're doing it for free. He's charging them <laughs> money to provide this value. Listen, the injury to his clavicle was not his fault. You look at the replay, he was doing everything right right he had his hand tucked he had the padding on the way it was supposed to be on the ball as a matter of fact hit the padding above the clavicle and still a clean break it's just one of those things but ultimately you have to decide if you're the cincinnati reds whether or not tyler stevenson is just snake bit back there and if you're willing to continue risking not having his bat in the lineup and risking the cumulative effects of these ongoing injuries, eventually making him not as productive of a hitter. When you miss that much time, when you're constantly out of your rhythm, when you're constantly having to go out on rehab, when you're constantly missing time facing major league pitching, it will affect your game. And this is ultimately going to add up to negative impacts on Tyler Stevenson. So I'm with you. They have to start looking for a way to address this situation. Now, I understand we don't have a viable backup. We gave him away for free to the Detroit Tigers. So what they've got to do is limit his innings next season in 2023 because I'm with you. He should not be back this season. Clavicle bone break, four to six weeks for healing. That puts us in mid-September. Why bring him back for the last two weeks? Shut him down. Let's get a clean start in 2023 and let's divide his time into thirds. A third of the time behind the plate a third of the time at first base relieving Joey Votto and a third of the time at DH to save those legs. Uh, we get Tyler's bat in the lineup a bunch. We keep him rested and healthy. Uh, it limits what we have to do as far as going out and spending for another catcher while we wait on Matt Nelson or, or Daniel Veoheen or one of these other guys to come up through the system. And we move towards the future, which is 2024. I, I think that's the only real... Uh, intelligent way to address this because it's just, you can't, you can't just say, well, you know, he's going to get paid less and you know, he's more valuable at catcher. None of those things make sense when the guy's not on the field. Yeah. This, uh, availability is the best ability. Like I, I don't know what argument you can say that he's better suited at catcher. If he's going to end up playing 60 games a year, that's not going to help the team. That's not going to help him. And at the end of the day, he's going to end up being a bust. And right now he trends on being the cornerstone of this lineup. So I don't want to see a situation where they prioritize what other people deem to be sexy over what is best for him and what is best for the team. And this is what we're talking about because people want to say, well, you know, he's better off a catcher. This is what his bat does for the lineup. He's hitting in his two very short seasons, 296 on the batting average, 
823 OPS and 115. That that all adds up to a 115 OPS plus. He's 15% above league average, and he's really just getting started. This is the kind of guy he adds a little bit of power to his game. And you're talking about a very solid MVP candidate. He just needs to stay on the field and the Reds need to do everything that they can in their power to make sure that happens. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, Jeff, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but also even in this limited amount of playing time that he's gotten because of the injuries, he's amongst the team leaders in wins above replacement, right? Isn't he sit at like 1.6, 1.7, somewhere in that neighborhood, not he far is. off the team lead. So, I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. He is a offensive leader of this team and he needs yeah. to be in the lineup and for the reds to just ignore what has happened. Now, if he comes out in 2023 and catches a bunch of games and never gets hurt, and this was just a fluke, fine. If and I said this last time, Jeff, if the new concussion helmet keeps him from ever getting a, another concussion in his career and he avoids these, these weird injuries like broken clavicle, cool, fine. You want to make him the catcher, he can be your catcher, get him some DH days, fine. But it, the small sample size that we have says that's not going to be the case. So it's time to at least start thinking about what you're going to do one, to replace Joey Votto in a year, because that is going to have to happen. And two, make Tyler Stevenson's career more productive and longer. Stretch him out. Keep him around longer. The Reds need to start making those decisions and thinking about it right now today. And I tell you this, Steve, the injury to Tyler Stevenson really put a damper on this weekend because otherwise I think we would have been leading off with the fact that the Reds won two out of three against the St. Louis Cardinals. And exactly. that was a lot of fun. And we are going to talk about how much fun that was. But you know, you mentioned it'd probably be a bad bet to like, you know, just assume that things are going to get better because he gets a new helmet. I'll tell you what you can do. If you want to avoid bad bets, you better go to bet online. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your sports gambling information, news, and scores. Check them out today because they actually have the Reds favored to beat the Marlins tonight. That's right. Our red legs are favored. Probably says something about the Marlins too. But the Reds are at minus 120 on the money line with Nick Lodolo on the mound against the Fish. I'm a little bit interested in that. I might look at some props for that. I probably should have looked at one for a sure prop. I'll tell you what, if you missed it though, next time that the Reds face Adam Wainwright, take Joey Votto to hit a home run. He hits homers off Adam Wainwright all the time. There you go. Prop of the day. Bet online continues to be your number one source because they've got sports development, news, odds, all of that great stuff, including Major League Baseball. They've got NFL futures as training camp is starting up this week. And you've got combat sports like the UFC and boxing. Holy cow, there is a huge UFC card coming up this weekend. I cannot wait. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online is where the game starts. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. You can follow Steve at S Offenbaker with two F's. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. And there's no F's in that one. Also, make sure that you're uh, subscribed on YouTube and make sure your notifications are turned on for whenever we have a new video that comes into your feed. All right, Steve, let's talk about it because we've looked at the trade rumors. We've looked at Tyler Stevenson moving out from behind the plate. Let's talk about the good stuff. The Reds won two out of three against those stinking Cardinals. And oh 
baby, I can't think of a better way to start the second half. Oh, absolutely. And I'm going to start it off with just three words to get you fired up and rolling through this segment, Jeff. Votto still bangs. Yeah, baby. That was a beautiful oppo taco. And I mentioned it there in the bet online read too. He went deep on Wainwright on Friday, but that three run bomb that he hit off Miles Michaelis. Miles Michaelis, the guy that I heard so much about during the All-Star game about how great he is and how he's transforming the St. Louis Cardinals pitching rotation. Ah, ah. The Reds hit as many runs off him, I think, as he's given up in the entire month of July. And I loved every second of it. You know, he talked a little bit in the post game on Sunday about tweaks to his mechanics, tweaks to his swing, how it's not, you know, it's always, always tinkering, but he did say that he's doing some things that he didn't necessarily want to go with long-term, but they're working. So he's keeping them there until the numbers tell him to not keep them there. And he can move back towards that traditional up and down batting stance. But I love that, you know, at age 38, Joey Votto is still putting in as much work as he did when he was 28 and when he was 18. You know, he doesn't act like a guy that's in the twilight of a career and could basically just coast through, collect his millions and, and head off into the sunset. He's still working for it. And I really do appreciate that because I'll tell you what, if Joey Votto can continue can consistently hit for power the opposite way he's dangerous he's very very dangerous and i mean he could he could lead a charge to a miracle resurgence not to the playoffs jeff but to hitting the over on the win total Uh, that would be (laughs) that would be the beauty of a joey Votto resurgence uh that that we would be looking towards but you know it's it's great to see i mean Every time, every single time, everybody starts throwing up their hands and saying, oh, Joey Votto's done. That's it. It's over. He goes on some tears like this. So I hope this will be another one of those extended tears that has us all excited for the next two, three, four weeks. Yeah, we just got to keep saying it, apparently, which I hate to say, because I don't want to say bad things about Joseph Daniel as well as he started ever since the All-Star break. This is really exciting to see. And I, I thought it was interesting because Chris Welsh broke down his batting stance on the radio broadcast. He was talking about how, yeah, Joey's still kind of standing straight up like he has been the last year or so, but he's added something new. He's kind of bending his front leg, his right leg a little bit in the stance, and he's keeping his weight back on his back foot. And that's really allowed him to drive the ball a lot more. And I like it. I like to see if this stance change continues for him. Also something of note outside of Joseph Daniel. Holy crap. The pitching was good this weekend. And I'm talking about the pitching, the all series from the major pitchers. Right. Cause there was one, there, there was one minor pitcher. Yeah. There was one minor pitcher that listen, minor I really convenience. I really <laughs> hope his days in this rotation are numbered because um, every time I, I just every time out, I have no faith that the Reds are going to win a game that he starts. And, you know, I've watched him pitch a couple games live now. I saw him uh, out in San Francisco and I've seen him in Cincinnati and both times he was just, eh. Uh, you know, and if you look at his numbers, if you look at his breakdowns, he's great the first time through, which is interesting to me because you and I talked way back where we wanted to see him move to the bullpen that we thought he could be an effective piece for this Reds bullpen. And I think that that still might happen depending on what happens with Mali and Castillo and how many openings are created from this trade deadline. Uh, you know, as we talked about off air, Dunn is ready to come up and replace somebody, yep. whether that's Castillo, Mali or Minor. Uh, if you get some 
somebody back in one of these deals that maybe you can just throw into the rotation. That'd be great. I don't anticipate that. But at this point, I would rather have a bullpen day because when Mike Miner starts a game, it's a bullpen day anyway. I would rather just acknowledge it and go with that, have him pitch the first time through the lineup and get him out of there or just bring up random guy of the day from AAA that you don't really expect to make an impact at all and still have a bullpen day. Although maybe that new guy that the major league hitters have never seen will get you two or three times through the line. Yeah, I've got some interesting thoughts on this, but I want to break it down more succinctly probably on tomorrow's episode. So we're not going to get into the weeds on it right now, but I will say this too, on top of the fact that we got some great pitching from both Tyler Malley and some decent pitch. I know that Graham Ashcraft wasn't completely clean on his day on Friday, but a pretty decent outing from him. The bullpen has looked phenomenal and they did their job on Sunday because I think anybody with a brain knew that Tyler Malley was coming in with a pitch count. He was not going to be asked to go seven or eight innings in his first start back, especially aside from the fact that they're trying to trade him. So they're trying to keep him healthy, but he also pitched really well. So I I think that the Reds did a very good job by pulling him after the sixth and then Bevar San Martin, man. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but that was the kind of inning that you really expect from a good relief pitcher. You know, he he walked a guy in his one inning of work and gave up a hit, but he didn't allow any runs. Uh, he didn't strike anybody out, but he didn't really do any damage. And he has continued to show us he is riding the ship to the point now where I'm looking forward to see what value he adds next season. He's definitely going to be a guy that we keep in the conversations all off season long. And as we move towards spring training about what he has to offer in this bullpen, uh, you know, on to your comment about Ashcraft, you know, he strikes out seven guys in what was not a not so hot performance. And those are the things you want to see. He's still getting guys out. He's still getting the uh, ability to, to miss bats. So, you know, I love it. Uh, but back to back to this bullpen, of course, we talked about San Martin and then comes in your guy, Alexis Diaz. Yeah, baby. He was good. He was good. That was some good pitching, too. And he got a couple of interesting, nice, you know, pitcher-friendly calls on the strike zone. But still, like, he works that fastball and he works that slider. And Cardinals hitters could not touch him. And then not to, with you know, notwithstanding, I guess, whatever, Hunter Strickland pitched a clean. Hey, he got, don't you disparage the Reds leader (laughs) in saves. He got his fifth save. He, listen, he is approaching Heath. He is approaching Heath Hembry territory, my friend. (laughs) You know, he, he could get to that magic number of eight. So you need to settle down with, with what you're saying, because I'm telling you why you cannot talk bad about our closer like that. When, when, oh, God. <laughs> I almost did it with a straight face. I almost got through that whole thing. When, when the Reds don't bring him back this offseason, there's going to be somebody say, but he led the team in saves. How can you not bring him back? And we're just going to look at them cross-eyed like, you don't even know where we want to begin with this because, oh, my gosh, we had a lot to say. But I'll tell you this. I want to end today on a very positive note because we saw something that we don't see very often. Now, the box score is not going to say it. And when you look at the play-by-play for yesterday's game, for Sunday's game against the Cardinals, it's not going to say that it was a stolen base. But that was a two-out steal of home. Matt Reynolds, what a beautiful play. Tyler Aquin trying to steal second. We had runners on first and third and two outs. He tries to steal second. And as soon as the throw goes down, then Matt Reynolds breaks for home. 
And now if Tyler Naquin would have kept running, he probably would have stole second and not been out. But he got a little skittish and created a rundown situation in which the Cardinals tried to throw it back home. No way was it even close to getting Reynolds out. Reynolds scores that insurance run, makes it six runs. At that point, I think it was six to two. And yeah, Naquin gets thrown out in a rundown, but that is the kind of all or nothing. The Reds are out of this. The Reds have got nothing to lose. I want to see more plays like that the rest of the year. Oh, absolutely. You know, first off, heads up base running by Matt Reynolds. Uh, Second of all, you know, I like Naquin's decision to pull up because you're right. He might've been safe, but that also means he might've been out. And what he did was guarantee that Matt Reynolds was going to have enough time to score that run before the final out of the inning was made so he stayed in that rundown long enough to make sure that Reynolds scored and I liked the heads up base running from Reynolds because you know I did have a problem with his base running at another point in this game where it felt to me like he dogged it down the first baseline a little bit and then ultimately there was a bobble and if had he had been busting it he's safe on that play I think so the the it, it kind of they wash each other out I, I'll give him a pass because of the heads up base running at third base uh, to score that run But yeah, give me the all or nothing stuff. That's the way I want to see this Reds team. No matter who is on the roster, no matter who's on the mound, who's in the batter's box, give me an all or nothing attitude of, look, uh, we're already out of this. We're going to play spoiler and we got nothing to lose. And you're going to have to beat us with that mentality. Yeah, I I agree. And listen, I think the big takeaway, Jeff, is that the Reds can be fun when they play like they have nothing to lose. And the fact of the matter is, they have nothing to lose. They can go out and just go after it. And I think that is probably a great spot to go ahead and wrap up this edition of Locked on Reds. Coming up tomorrow on the podcast, Jeff and I are going to take a look at the pressure that could be on Nick Crawl right now. Is this his final test, his last test, his last opportunity to make sure that his job is secure heading for the 2023 baseball season uh, with this Major League Baseball trade deadline. Jeff and I are going to dig into that tomorrow. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen. Now go make Locked on MLB prospects your second listen. Lindsey Crosby gives you a daily look at the stars of tomorrow and has all of the Major League Baseball draft reaction that you can handle. Locked on MLB prospects is just like Locked on Reds. It's free. And it's available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. All right, Jeff, another series in the books. The Reds are on a roll to start the second half. And what can people expect from us the rest of the way in 2022? They can expect us to be watching those games and seeing the daily movements of their Cincinnati Reds. We're going to have our eyes peeled on all the trade rumors and any emergency pods that are necessary based on trades and movements that happen because we are locked on Reds every single day. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.